freight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. In episode 31, we're joined by Thomas Healy, CEO of Hylion, where he shares the story of how the company got started and then pivoted from its original plan to electrify trailers to focus on a truck-based electric solution. We also talk about why passion and loving what you are doing are important when bringing a new idea to market and the value of making incremental steps toward your ultimate goals. And finally, we discuss the tailwind that is behind the electrification of commercial vehicles. Today we have joining me Thomas Healy. He's the CEO at Hylion. Hello, Thomas, and thanks for joining us today. Mike, great to chat with you again. I appreciate you having us on. We go back uh, a good ways, and I'm uh, I'm pretty sure it was while you were still in Pittsburgh, and I don't think you'd even named the company yet. <laughs> um, and and I always ask my guests. I mean, this is named Freight Efficiency with Mike Roth and Friends. So, do you remember how we met um, and and how we uh, got to know one another? So I know a long time ago, when I was just getting into this, I was trying to learn about the industry, and your websites was one of the first ones I came across as like what are people doing in this industry uh, to improve efficiency? And, uh, and so I know, you know that was kind of our first stop of learning, like, what are the trends, right? There was a huge effort towards uh, aerodynamic improvements around low rolling resistance tires. And, and for us, it was just kind of the start of, uh, of the electrification era. So I, I think, you know, I probably knew about you before you knew anything about Hylion <laughs> or before we was even called Hylion to that matter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, that's good because, you know, I remember when we started NACFI 11 years ago, I mean, nobody knew it, right? And there was little traffic on the web and then it started to grow. I'm glad we we were that resource because that was probably, when would that have been? Maybe seven, eight years ago? Yeah, it probably was like 2014-ish timeframe, somewhere in that ballpark would be my guess. And then it was, you know, 15 and 16 when we actually officially started Hylion. I think when we first met, you were focused on electrifying uh, the trailer axles, if I remember right, before even looking at tractors. And I know um, now it's, I guess I want to get into that as we get to talking here about um, trailers, tractors, what's all in all in your future. But let's just, let's just start at the beginning. Tell us how Hylion got started and a little bit about your career. Um, you know, they're probably one and the same because I think Hylion and this work has been pretty much your professional career, right? Yeah, that's that is very true. No, so I mean to to take you through the whole journey. So uh, the focus right from day one of Hylion was bringing electrification to the commercial vehicle space. Uh, it was pretty interesting. You know, when I was in uh, college doing a grad program at Carnegie Mellon, um, you know, had this uh, this crazy idea of, hey, what if what if we kind of took this major trend going on in uh, in the passenger car space, you know, which was electrification, and at those days, you know, Tesla was was not yet probably quite a household name. You know, you kind of saw some of those early Model S's or the the Roadsters out there, but uh, it was nothing like uh, what it is today. And uh, you know, kind of looked at this industry and saw a really unique opportunity where if you can bring electric to trucks, electrification of trucks, not only can you have a massive impact on emissions reductions, but you also have this unique ability to uh, actually save fleets money and reduce their operating costs. And 
you know, in the long term, hopefully that ultimately stems down into reducing how much it costs to buy a good in a store because uh, ultimately it costs less on a truck. And, and that's a very different equation than the passenger car space, as you know. I mean, the, the going and buying a, uh, an electric car, it's an emotional decision versus for these fleets, it's all about economics and, uh, you know, what's going to be, you know, make them a more profitable company and how do we reduce emissions. Passenger cars. So, uh, you know, a passenger car might cost you $25,000, You know, very few will ever spend that amount of money in fuel over the lifetime of that car. But one of these trucks, um, you know, three, four dollars a gallon, pick a number, but, um, you know, $125,000 tractor, but at 100,000 miles and eight miles per gallon, I mean, they can burn the $125,000 in fuel in two or three years. And so over the life of that of that trucking vehicle, just another way of saying the same thing you're saying is there's a lot of cost in fuel over the life of that truck, three, four times the, the original original cost of the sleeper tractor. I mean, most truckers in one year will put more miles on their truck than a person would put on the life of a whole car. Right. I mean, trucks mm-hmm. will go 100, 120,000 miles a year. So, yeah, no, it's. It's fascinating. That makes the payback and ROI and impact that you can have really, really cool. So, you know, to to where you started, yeah, we our initial idea was bringing in an e-axle, putting it on a trailer, and uh, and trying to reduce fuel consumption that way. And you know, we thought it was a pretty novel novel way to do it. But you know, we ultimately learned that uh, fleets end up owning a ton more trailers than they do trucks. The truck to trailer ratio is. Uh, uh, is pretty high or the tra- trailer to truck ratio is pretty high. So, you know, what, what we found was if we put our technology on a trailer, a lot of its life, it was just going to sit uh, dormant, you know, behind a warehouse or at a loading dock. And so that's when, you know, we ultimately uh, pivoted to having a truck-based solution and uh, really took that same hybrid concept and just pulled it forward to the truck. And that's the product that we're shipping to fleets today. And then uh, this past year, you know, one of the things that, you know, huge milestone for Hylion is we announced the, uh, the uh, introduction of our Hypertruck ERX full powertrain. So, you know, the hybrid, the best way to think about it, it's kind of a way to like take an existing truck and, you know, improve it. Uh, but you're still going to use a lot of the same, you know, powertrain that was there versus when you move to the Hypertruck, now Hylion is, is doing kind of the full powertrain of the vehicle. And you know the way that system works is it's a fully electric drive truck, but as opposed to plugging into the grid to recharge the batteries, we actually use an onboard generator that can produce electricity as you're driving and charge the batteries up. So you kind of you eliminate a lot of the downsides that normally come with BEVs, which is huge battery packs and uh, and a lot of weight, and then also the uh, the need for a bunch of charging infrastructure. With our solution, we've got a small battery, and then we use the existing natural gas charging infrastructure that's already out there to charge the batteries as we're going. So uh, that that was a, a big announcement for us last year. Yeah, and you're, it's a very specific um, solution that I, I'm sure we'll get into here in a little later. I mean, I think traditionally, weren't those called series hybrids? And um, it's kind of like a locomotive sort of, um, at least uh, structure. Yeah, it's, it is the exact same structure as a locomotive, right? I mean, many people probably don't realize this, but trains, they're electric uh, and they've been electric for a long time, but they produce their electricity locally. The one difference that we have from a train is 
most trains, they don't have that battery as the buffer in between the generator and the, the actual uh, electric drive versus we have a, a, we still do have a battery pack uh, on board and that allows us to actually drive the vehicle with the generator turned off. And then you're a true zero emissions vehicle. There's nothing coming out of the tailpipe. You're a pure electric and that's gonna be awesome for when you're in the ports, when you're in cities, at a distribution center, uh, no, you know, no tailpipe emissions at all. What segment of the market do you see as the, uh, that would take advantage, most advantage of, of this Hypertruck product? So, you know, we've kind of broken it down maybe into kind of two different sectors that we're looking at. I think there's kind of the local delivery short haul, which we see that as going BEV. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You don't have a bunch of miles that you need to drive every day. So the battery can be a pretty small size um, and it, it's not going to be a huge impact on the, the grid in order to recharge those. So, you know, kind of anything in cities, local delivery, uh, final mile, we see going BEV. But then once you start getting over, like having to drive 150, 200, 250 miles a day, BEVs, the, the weight and the cost of the batteries just start to not really make much sense. So that's where we see this range extender. Yeah, as you said, it, it, you know, the, the correct technical term for it is a series hybrid uh, vehicle where you, you have a full electric drive, but you produce the power or the electricity locally. And, you know, one of the other ways to think about this is it's the same exact concept or same exact structure as a hydrogen fuel cell truck, right? Uh, hydrogen fuel cell is a series hybrid vehicle as well. Um, you know, the difference with our approach is we're going to start off by using natural gas to recharge the batteries. And then we actually have a, a roadmap to get to hydrogen as our power source. Um, but we see that as a little bit down the road as compared to where we are with nat gas today. So it's kind of that longer range, uh, you know, when, you know, the guys that are really hitting the road, putting hundreds of miles a day on these trucks that so we think this is the, uh, the right solution for them. Yeah, very good. And, and before we leave this, um, of course, we'll probably come back, but why natural gas and not diesel or, or could they both work? So, you know, natural gas has a, a ton of uh, benefits to it from an emission standpoint. You know, natural gas alone has like a, is, I think it's over a 90% reduction in NOx emissions uh, that comes from it. Um, there's also a whole mega trend going on that I, up until a couple of years ago, I didn't even know this was a thing, but it's really fascinating where we're actually capturing uh, methane coming off of like landfills and dairy farms, wastewater treatment plants, and we're actually able to pump that into the natural gas pipelines and use that as a fuel in a vehicle. And that's, that fuel is called renewable natural gas. And so basically, you know, the, the simplest way to think about it is you're basically capturing pollution and using that to drive a vehicle as opposed to just letting it gas off into the atmosphere. And, uh, and so there's this whole industry of renewable natural gas that we can use, and it actually leverages the same exact station. So, you know, it's not like there's conventional natural gas and renewable natural gas stations. It's all the same. You use the same nozzle to fill up the truck. It's all a, uh, a credits-based uh, system that the natural gas industry has set up. So the coolest thing with it, though, is since you're basically using pollution to drive a truck, you can actually have a, a below zero or net carbon negative emissions profile for vehicles. Uh, so it's actually, you know, the strange way I think about it, it's cleaner for the environment for you to actually go drive your truck in some instances on renewable natural gas than to not drive it. So, so that's, um, you know, where we saw a bunch of benefit with uh, natural gas or RNG, renewable natural gas. The, the other thing which cannot be overlooked is infrastructure. 
um, you know, natural gas infrastructure, there's already over 700 stations out there. So while it doesn't rival diesel, uh, you know, it, it is so far ahead of where we are with hydrogen today. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, back to the battery pack. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you could, you could go bigger or smaller. So there's, you know, you don't need to have just one battery pack size. I mean, that could, that could be different given different duty cycles of the truck or really just how the, uh, the trucker might want to use it. And it could probably even have a plug-in capability if you wanted to leave with a full, uh, full battery pack, but, um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of things here, um, going on. Um, let me switch gears for a few minutes. Some, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, there's a lot of startups and highly on would be a startup, right. Um, had an idea and, you know, kind of, you, you've morphed the, a couple of ideas around and now you're ready to go, you know, to, to production and, and, you know, be a real solution. But, you know, there's a lot of startups right now. You mentioned, um, you know, Tesla with their semi, you got automation, electricity, hydrogen. I mean, I've been in this 35 years and, you know, it always seems like the now has the most new stuff going on, but man, it sure feels that way. What, what is it about trucking right now that is attracting so much investment money and, um, and new players? Yeah, I think, you know, we're at this stage where um, the industry is almost, it's going through a revolution or it's going to, right, you know, where uh, trucks have evolved a lot over the over years, you know, but at, at the end of the day, there are still a lot of kind of legacy things on trucks. Like the example I always like to use is the industry still use drums, drum brakes uh, for, for a lot of, of its trucks, right? And, you know, disc brakes is not, uh, you know, the, the end-all be-all solution. Drum is still, you know, prevalent in the industry. And that's something that the passenger car space moved away from many, many years ago. And I think, you know, the, the startup world, you know, has seen the, the trucking space as this area where um, there's a lot of oppor opportunity here uh, to make a big impact. And it actually goes back to that, that comment we were talking about earlier, where you can actually drive a savings or an ROI for these fleets, which that for a startup, that, that's a game changer, right? Because if you can go into a fleet and you can show them that you're going to save them money, that gives them a huge incentive to go adopt your technology. It's not just, you know, as we were talking about before, it's not an emotional decision anymore. It's a business uh, business decision. It's a, a financial decision. Whereas if you go and innovate a technology for the passenger car space, I don't think people really look at it as, uh, you know, it, it's not an ROI calculation, right? It's a, you know, oh, is this, not, is this a, a technology I would like to drive with uh, as opposed to trucking? It, it's about the financials, which that that is a, a sweet spot for startups because you can prove a business case. Yeah, yeah, and then it becomes. I think that that's a great point, and I think then the the next challenge is that you know there is a lot of um, disparity in how trucks are used. Um, you know, we've talked about short haul, long haul. You got, you know, are you in the mountains? Are you in the cold weather? Or you, you know, what, what kind? You know, lightweight, heavyweight. There's so much like. Um, differences in in how the trucks are used and the duty cycles i guess is what i'm getting to so um you know that does compound this total cost of ownership and in uh, technology you know appropriate technology for each of those customers but at the end of the day um you know it's all about the numbers and um that's helpful uh for uh, for startups and really for anybody who's um you know going through the science of product development and, and adoption 
And I mean, I think any any VC will say, well, why are people going to buy this, right? That's one. That's a big question VCs or PE firms ask. And if you can show them that the math works out and it can save a fleet money, that's a, an easy easy buying decision. Versus if you're playing off of someone's emotions of you know a new car they're buying and you know does it look the way they like or does it, you know that's a you know as we were saying before it's emotions. So that's where I think this this industry is getting so much attention. I think the the cool thing is is like trucking is it's truly a, a backbone it's a major part of our economy right i mean i a joke i i'll share sometimes is like you know look around the room is there anything around you that wasn't shipped on a truck at some point in its life other than like another person in the room with you right i mean everything uh gets moved around on a truck at some point whether it's like you know for the majority of its transportation or if it's just to get it to the store or, or whatever i mean it, it gets moved on trucks so having big impacts on this industry can ultimately change the way, you know, all these goods that we utilize are, are transported and the cost of it. You're, you hit nail on the head. And with the pandemic, it, it became really front and center. Um, you know, we, we uh, you know, that we couldn't get toilet paper, we couldn't get medicine, <laughs> grocery stores were stocked. But the thing that, you know, when the, when the, when the vaccines started to become shipping, I remember, um, you know, the media like, oh, my God, you know, there's a, uh, you know, maybe a, a snowstorm or there's a this and all the trucks are stopped. And I'm like, all right, everybody, just cool it. Those vaccines will be moving and those truckers will get it done very fast. <laughs> um, you know, it's what it's what trucking does. There was one group that was uh, never even questioned whether or not they were essential workers, and that was trucking. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So given um, you having gone through, you know, an idea, you know, probably by yourself to hiring some engineers, to doing some work, to getting, you know, different levels of investment, and now, um, you know, all, all the way to where we're highly on now listed, right? Um, so, uh, you know, when, when, what's your advice to, what would be your advice to your younger self, Thomas, or what would be your advice to somebody else who's doing this? What have you really learned about um, bringing a new idea to trucking uh, that um, that you think would be important for maybe this audience to hear? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, what my, my biggest point of advice, and I'll kind of walk it through a few different phases here, but like, number one is, you got to have an idea that you're just super passionate about. And frankly, you're in love with, right? You got to love what you're doing um, because this is a 24 seven gig. You know, you, you will in a startup, you'll spend more time on it than you ever could have imagined. Uh, but you love every minute of it. And, um, and so that's number one, but I think, you know, as you're going about it, it, it's kind of stepping back and looking at, you know, the idea you have, where do you ultimately want to take it? And, and do you see a, a journey or a path that could get you there to being successful? So for us, you know, it was this initial idea of electrification in trucks. And, you know, we were going to start with this hybrid product and we saw, yeah, this, this seems feasible. Now, great. We had no idea how we were actually going to do it or the ins and outs of it. Right. But, you know, it all seemed feasible. And then it's about just starting to take you know, minor incremental steps towards that initiative, right? So you're not going to solve it all on day one, but you start working towards it and making, you know, proof points that you can do it. And then, you know, when you, when you get to, uh, you know, having enough of those proof points pulled together, then you can kind of look at and say, Hey, am I on the right track or not? And, and for us, you know, that was one of the things we did when we were looking at that trailer based solution, we realized we had to move to the truck and you need to be able to pivot quickly, uh, you know, in a startup as well, which, 
um, you know, is, is just part of the nature of the business, but, uh, but one that, you know, large corporations often struggle with because it, you know, there's so much uh, bureaucracy and, you know, so it's a massive ship, right, that you need to move in a large company versus a startup, you can pivot very quickly. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, when you, you, you get to some of these major milestones, like for us, obviously, the, you know, going uh, through the SPAC transaction to take Highland on public last year, massive, uh, you know, milestone for the organization. And when you, you get to milestones like that, and you look back, it's like you have this realization that you've accomplished so much, but yet, you know, you still have uh, a long way, long way to go and so many more things that you see that you can go accomplish, right? Each one of these milestones is uh, a huge, you know, proof point, but, um, you know, it's, it's just a step along the journey here. And, and uh, you know, the other big piece of advice I give to people about startups is nothing ever goes as planned, right? I mean, you, you're looking at these things and, you know, you think you can go, you know, you can do A, B, and C, but then at the end of the day, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and, and it's going to work really well for the company. And, uh, you know, you don't, I guess it's, you need to be comfortable with the unknown and, uh, and just mm -hmm. keep on making progress. Was the, uh, was the trucking industry, you know, easier or harder for you to work with? And, and, you know, follow on question to that is what, what could you, what could the trucking industry, you know, sort of the established players, uh, do better to 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 support um, somebody like you with an, uh, the idea you had. So, you know, when when we first got into trucking, there was a handful of people that I spoke with that gave me kind of the the warning that uh, trucking was going to be a tough industry to work with because you know it, it doesn't move very fast and you know with change and um, you know and and so you know that was kind of the the precursor that I had got in uh, before getting into the industry, but I have been blown away, frankly, with how receptive this entire industry and many of the major fleets out there have been towards new technology. They're super excited about it. They're actually fleets are pulling the technology out of us, you know, more, more than us pushing it into to their operations. I mean, they want electrification to happen. And I think that's maybe been a little bit of a change uh, from, you know, what people have conventionally thought of trucking. I'm curious what you've seen, Mike, on that one, because it's not, what I've experienced is not what people warned me about when I came into the industry. It's, it's been super receptive. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, you know, it can be slow. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I said not too long ago that I'm shocked how quickly some fleets are going to electric trucks or some of these other things when I watched that same fleet take three years to decide to buy a wide base tire versus two duels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, but I think it's I think what's happening is, is that the whole world's become more comfortable with with uh, technology and change. And, you know, we had the industry had, had a lot of troubles with the uh, emissions engines in um, the early, uh, you know, mid 2000s. But I, I think we have confidence that we we can bring these technologies um, better to market. You know, I'd also say that. You know, in some circles that that I run in, um, trucking is lumped into what's called hard to abate industries. Uh, you know, along with like steel making and concrete making and locomotives and planes. And and I've been quick to say no. I think trucking, first of all, the the life of the asset is much lower. Um, you know, you're talking about ten to twelve years for a truck like this, not you know, 30, 40, 50 for some, for planes and trains and buildings. And, and I, I think the, um, the, the ability and the openness to new technologies where, like we've said in this entire discussion, where a total cost of ownership benefits them, 
um, you know, they're going to move. This isn't maybe your, our grandfather's trucking industry. I, I, uh, I agree with you. And it, it's exciting to see. And I think the fleets are excited about it, right? I think the heads of maintenance and the guys running these fleets are, are kind of jazzed about electrification. Cause when you, and Mike, you're probably running behind more electric vehicles than, uh, than all of us, uh, you know, you've probably driven everyone out there, but it's a totally different driving experience and one that's really, really awesome, right? You know, it's, uh, you got that instant torque. It's a very quiet vehicle. There's no, uh, you know, fumes or smells coming off of it, you know, like, a, like diesel might be. It's, it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, we're seeing it with run on less electric, uh, you know, and, and something, you know, uh, you know, we, we have automated manual transmissions, but it still shakes the cab with every shift. And so something like that, where that 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 driving experience is so much pleasurable. Yeah, it's um, I, I think there are benefits outside uh, that are un, that are currently not being monetized, um, you know, like driver attraction and retention for these trucks and so forth this is something we're going to learn here soon. Well, Thomas, we always run pr pretty quickly out of time. Um, any last piece of advice you'd have for um for those of us trying to really push these technologies or maybe it's pull these technologies in um, before we wrap this up? Yeah, I think it's the the efforts that everyone is putting towards electrifications, whether electrification, whether it's you guys, Mike, or if it's fleets or OEMs or suppliers, companies like us at Hylion or others, there's this, there's so much tailwind behind this right now. And that's exciting to see. And, um, you know, I think it's, I, I always look as one of these things of, uh, you know, all boats, all boats rise with a high tide. And so it's awesome to see how much effort's going to this. We're going after a massive industry. And I think we're going to make a ton of change here in the, the years ahead. So exciting times to, to be a part of. Yeah, been a great time catching up, Thomas. And thank you for joining me and best wishes for you and Hylion. Thank you, Mike. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends.